Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Podcast. It is your host, David McKaig Jr. The Game Sports Podcast is powered by 91N91 Network, formerly known as TGM, the Game Entertainment and Media. And if you're wondering what the heck that means, don't worry. There'll be an official announcement upload in the coming days regarding that. Now, as I mentioned, it is David McKaig Jr., and it's been a hot minute since we have done a Game Sports Podcast official upload. Of course, we've had multiple other uploads from our podcast, such as Full Time. Uh, we've had Strike Zone. We've had a special edition upload. There has been a lot of Game Sports Podcast uploads, but there has been an official upload of the game sports podcast and i apologize about the delay in those uploads it's been quite the time for yours truly of course firstly this past weekend being newly married uh, there's been a lot going on and we are officially able to say that hopefully we can get back to those consistent weekly or bi-weekly uploads that you listeners have been ranting to hear back through our instagram page or facebook page which you can check out at the game sports show nonetheless where you can find the game sports podcasts uploads you can check it out on spotify apple instagram facebook or of course on youtube which is still under the tgem network youtube channel but that will be changing as i said in an official upload that will be announced in the coming days 91 n 91 network Nonetheless, this episode is sponsored by, of course, Flawless Roofing, Sure Seal Incorporated. Flawless Roofing, over 30 years' experience in the biz, and there's a reason why they're still in business for 30 years. Look, residential, commercial, doesn't matter, whatever rooftop that you're looking to fix up, get new, I don't know what tickles your fancy. If you just need a new roof, Flawless Roofing has you covered. Located in Sault Ste. Marie and Thunder Bay in particular, but if you're outside of Sault Ste. Marie and Thunder Bay, don't hesitate to look them up, give them a call. They're on Facebook. You can Google them. Flawless Roofing Sure Seal Inc. All right, just give them a check out. They have a website, flawlessroofing.ca. They will be on there for you. Give them a call no matter where you are, and you can get your roof repaired, get a new roof if you have a new house, whatever it may be. Why trust anybody else? Okay, 30 years in the biz. Do the math. Protect your investment. Start from the top. Flawless roofing. Now, this edition has quite the agenda. We have a lot to get to, but we took a different turn in this uh, in this particular agenda. In the first segment, there's not going to be too much talking from yours truly, believe it or not. I know there's a lot of individuals who would say, of course, I tend to ramble on in my segments, go down rabbit holes, or maybe even some interviews, I talk more than I should. But nonetheless, that's just the way it is. That's the way the game sports show, the game sports podcast has always been. But let me give you this agenda. In this first segment, we're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk a little bit of football. Not too much football. is enough to just tickle your fancy and give you an update on a particular podcast that is presented by the game sports podcast. And, of course, the big news that I want to talk about is Austin Matthews' new contract in particular, even a little bit of William Nylander salted into that discussion for about the next, uh, I don't know, 12 to 15 minutes or so before we take a break. And then we're going to have in the second segment, Tom Peart. He is the author of A Vagabond Life Stories from a Minnesota Hockey Coach. Now, that's going to be about 
30, 40-minute episode. It's already been pre-recorded before I recorded this segment, just so I was able to know the time exactly. We did aim for 15 minutes. But hey, when you have a good conversation going on with somebody, and when you got me wanting to get my point across, and you got Tom, who's an author, who writes all about these tales, the show goes a little bit longer. But this show always allots for one hour, and we are going to give you that approximate hour of content. No matter where you're listening, if you're driving, if you're walking, if you're running, walking your dog, if you're at home, if you have us on YouTube in your in your living room while you're sitting there watching or cleaning it, whatever it may be, we're happy to be able to join us. Just make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on the button below. If you're on video, you're seeing me pointing. If you're driving, you don't see where I'm pointing, so I'm going to tell you. Make sure you pull over if you're driving to pull over and hit like, hit subscribe, or give us those five stars And the next time you stop because over 50% of our listeners listen to over 40% of the show, but they don't hit like, follow, or subscribe on the videos if it's YouTube, Spotify, or Apple. So just simply do it, and you'll never miss an upload from the Game Sports Podcast. Now, let's get into it. Baseball. Now, I'm not going to get into too much about baseball, except I want to vent about the Toronto Blue Jays a little bit. Now, people are like, what the heck? Why are you going to vent about the Blue Jays? There's so much more to talk about. There's the Yankees' struggles that get me absolutely excited, by the way. Sorry, Yankee fans. Uh, But we're going to save that because we have an upcoming upload of Strike Zone with myself and Connor, so we're not going to get into that. We have to save the content for that. I want to vent about the Blue Jays for for multiple reasons this year. The inconsistency, uh, the the Vladimir Guerrero struggles. Bichette has been great uh, up until he got hurt, and there's been... Uh, of course, he had the injury when he came back. He's done all right, but there's there's a lot of question marks. But what hasn't been a question mark for the Toronto Blue Jays is the bullpen. Heck, even pitching. Kikuchi's one of the one of, if not the best, obviously from a statistical standpoint, pitchers in baseball since the second half of the season after the All Star break. The bullpen has been good. Unless you want to talk about Sunday, August the twenty seventh, maybe it's a little bit of a struggle in the extra innings. But nonetheless, the team. From a bullpen and pitching perspective, they've allowed the Blue Jays to be in games and win ball games. The bats haven't been the same. George Springer, massive struggle this year. Vladimir Guerrero just hit 20 homers. Pitchers have learned how to pitch against Vlad. Bo, thank God he can hit all over the field because he's been the Jays' consistent hitter. Matt Chapman, hot to begin the year. Disappeared a little bit throughout the year. He's had inconsistencies, and he's playing his way into having a less substantial of a contract, right? No, let me correct people that think he's not going to be making as much next year. He's the only valuable defensive third baseman as a free agent this upcoming this upcoming winter. Look it up. Quote me if you think I'm wrong. At me if you think I'm wrong. There's not too many third basemen that will have his talent defensively, and he does have power in his bat. He's a guy who will hit 20 to 30 home runs a year. He may bat 230 to 260 when he does it, but he's a good sixth, fifth guy, and he's going to get those outs for you. Yes, he's had a lot of errors this year, which will also hurt his contract, but let's not forget he is one of, if still not, if if the best third baseman in the major leagues. Top five, 100%. Top three, 100% from a defensive standpoint. Doesn't matter the years. He could still get the job done. But he is playing his way into a less value of a contract to a degree. But if he was talking $25 million, he's going to get 22 or 20 right now in his next contract. And people are even saying he might hit 30 for, t- for a team like the San Francisco Giants or a team like maybe the Los Angeles Angels if they can re-up Shohei Otani this year. So the bats, though, getting back to the bats, enough going down that rabbit hole. Talk about Matt Chapman. i got to make sure I get the time as much as I can here and follow the time frame. The Blue Jays' batting order has been the problem. And at the deadline, Shapiro 
obviously made a good move getting Jordan Hicks. They bring in Paul DeYoung. Bichette goes down, they have to bring in somebody. Now he's been DFA'd and he joined the Giants. Hicks can throw 102, 103 miles per hour, 101. He can consistently hit that strike zone. And, of course, Romano comes back from injury. you got Chad Green still chilling in the minors who's going to be coming back. And Ryu has came back and done impressively well. Pitching's not the problem. They didn't address the problem that I wanted them to do at the deadline. Teoscar Hernandez was off the board. Cody Bellinger was off the board. But the Jays could have, and I'm not going to sit here and name names. I don't mean to do that. I don't want to do that because a lot of would have, could have, should have. But they still need that one bat. After losing Teoscar, it, it it left a little hole. Brandon Belt has done a very good job, but he's still not the guy, I don't think. And if you can have Vladdy get his bat going somehow in this last month of the year and take advantage of a more easier of a schedule of teams that are underneath you in the standings, and let me remind listeners, they got the Nationals, then they got the Rockies, you got the Athletics, you got the Royals. <laughs> Okay, you can make some massive ground here if you win 85% of those games. Then, of course, you got the Texas Rangers after that, which is a massive battle because you're fighting them for a wild card spot. Make up those the, this tough stretch that they've been having. A lot of inconsistent series, 500 series, losing a series, winning this, losing that. Very inconsistent. The bats need the confidence and to get going. And I think they could have done something earlier at the deadline to improve that to that bat to a degree. I think they were expecting that from Varsho, but they haven't got the Dalton Varsho of last year. They've gotten the defensive player of Dalton Varsho, which has been tremendous. Defensively, they're an amazing team, but they haven't gotten the bat. With a healthy Whit Merrifield, with a good, consistent Dalton Varsho, Vladimir can find his game. Bichette keeps doing what he's doing. If Chapman can play the way he was at the beginning of the year, this is the scary, one of the scariest lineups in baseball, and with this pitching and bullpen rotation, if they can find it in September, and they can squeak into the playoffs, watch out for those Jays. But they have to be that team that they truly can be, and they haven't been able to bounce back. You've been saying it all year that they're, oh, they're going to hit a big stretch, a big run, a big run, and they just haven't been able to do it. And it's been one game the bullpen's been off, but the bats have been hot. The bats been cold, but the bullpen's been hot. And they win one nothing, or they lose one nothing. Christian Encarnacion Strand in Cincinnati win the bottom of the ninth. There's a prime example of that. Look, the Blue Jays right now, the way that they're playing, if they don't smarten up, you're not going to see Blue Jay playoff baseball. I still think they will play baseball in, the, in, in September, uh, going into the fall classics. I, I, I think they will be, but they need to wake up and they need to take advantage of this more easier schedule going forward. Seattle did. They can do the same. Now, fencing about the Blue Jays, I want to talk a little bit quick about baseball. i got to have some time for Matthews and Elander's contract, too, and I only have about that most 10 minutes to get try to get through that. So I'm going to try to do it in less. Football season, look, Aaron Rodgers make his debut in the preseason for the, for the Jets. I didn't – he overthrew it, threw it to nobody. There's been chirps on TikTok about it, but – Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks still in the game. He's a smart quarterback. He's been successful because of who he is. The Jets are going to be a good team this year. I said it. They're going to they're 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 going to be good. But for those of you who want to hear more football content, I want to make sure I make this plug. In the pocket will be returning for our longest standing show. It will be returning after Labor Day. Our projected recording is one of either the September 4th, September 5th, or 6th. 
We usually do it every Wednesday. So we are aiming for September the 6th. So if you're looking for any football content, it is coming back. We haven't had an upload this summer. Everyone's schedule has been too busy. And we are we decided to take the summer in a different direction with our uploads this year. But we have a very flooded September and going forward in the pocket will be returning. But if people that are asking me about football, Everyone does a lot. Ask me about the Pittsburgh Steelers because know what team I'm here for. Steelers will have a top five defense in the NFL is what people are saying to me this year. I think top five is a little bit hard. Top 10, 100%. Top five, most likely. I think they have a very good defense. But they're going to have to really rely on Kenny Pickett. They're they're really going to have to hopefully steal some games. If the Steelers win games this year, it's going to be 17-14, 24-20. They might even win a game 21-0 because their defense, I think, is pretty stellar. But are they a playoff team? I'll save my reaction for that on the next in the pocket segment. They're in a very tough spot. I feel like uh, the Steelers are going through a little bit of a transition. But with Mike Tomlin at the helm, you never know what can happen. This year, I think, finally will be a very interesting year. And maybe my predictions will be right about the Buffalo Bills. It's got to happen eventually, right? This team has been, you know, in the shadow of Mahomes and how they've been successful winning a couple of Super Bowls. I think Josh Allen's next up. You got to think it's the time. But anyone looking for that football content, I gave you a brief little reaction about Aaron Rodgers, how I don't think he's lost any step. I think he's going to be spectacular. I think the Jets are going to be very surprising, if not very good this year. But the Bills still got my attention. And if you want my reaction about the Steelers, I gave you a little bit of that, but I'll give you more. When In the Pocket resumes, In the Pocket presented by the Game Sports Sports Podcast, presented by 91N, formerly T-Gen. Austin Matthews. Listen, Austin Matthews is the highest AAV player in the National Hockey League after this year. He has signed a $13.25 million contract for the next four years. And I don't want to say what other people have already been saying through, you can look on TikTok, you can look on social media. Plugs here, no free ads, but we're going to do it anyways. TSN, Sportsnet. Uh, ESPN, the, the the Game Sports Podcast, wherever you get your reactions and your thoughts and your comments. And we haven't had a Top Shelf edition since Matthews has signed. Uh, top Shelf uh, will be resuming uh, in September. Uh, a lot of our shows will be resuming in September that you hear through the fall and winter and spring months. But So we haven't had this reaction. You get it from me today without anybody else. And I kind of wish that we had more of our panel here so we get the different feels of it. But I have been asked, what do you think about it? This Matthews contract, it had to be done. I'm sorry. It it was expensive. He is not better than Connor McDavid. He is not better than Nathan McKinnon. Is he a top three player in the National Hockey League? No, he's not. McDavid, Dreisaitl, and McKinnon. Is he better than Crosby? Now he is. Was he? No. Crosby is the best player in the world at one point. Crosby's older. Let's face it. He's an 87 birth year. He's 35 years old. 35, whatever. So I'm not doing math right now. He's older. Ovechkin, older. Still putting up numbers that are unbelievable in goals. Matthews is a top five NHL player. 100%. 100% a top five. Is Matthew Kachuk a top five? I really can't pick a top five after you pick Dreisaitl, McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. I, I, I really can't. Is Bedard going to slide into that this year? Still too early to tell. Matthews staying in Toronto, there's a lot of factors people have to think about. The cap is going up, number one. With the cap going up, Matthews was due for a raise. 
if McDavid had to re-sign at this point, he'd be making more than 13.25. I guarantee you that. The reason why is because look at his numbers. That's all you need to see. The cap is going up. That is no knowledge in the National Hockey League. McDavid's in a Canadian market. Matthews is in a Canadian market. And there's taxes. If you go to LA, you go somewhere else, you don't get tax. Florida, you don't get those taxes. There are taxes. McDavid, a little bit different. Okay, he's from Canada. Matthews is America. And don't say I'm not chirping different countries. I'm telling you right now, number two, Matthews does have attraction to play in the United States. That's where he's from. He's from Arizona. Obviously, Arizona Coyotes are a joke. I'm sorry to say it. They are that organization. Uh, I know the, uh, the coach of the Coyotes, Andre Tegrenet, was on the uh, Average Jocks podcast that you can hear on the 91N uh, TGM Network YouTube channel. But I'm saying they're a joke of a franchise because of where they're playing. They don't have the money. They're not a joke because I'm not talking about the players. They haven't been able to succeed because they haven't been set up for success. They have a good coach. They have some good players. They just haven't been successful. And I'm sure if Matthews had the opportunity, he would love to go play in Arizona and be the face of that franchise and help them win. But truthfully, I'm sure Matthews would love to go play in L.A., be able to party more with Biebs, be in front of the celebs. And I'm sure if he went to L.A., he'd be on the Kings. He wouldn't be on the Sharks. He wouldn't be on the Ducks. Maybe the Ducks is actually pretty young and impressive. But I'm sure the Kings would be a preferred destination for him. But playing in Canada, Matthews, I truly believe that he is loyal okay, to the market of Canada. And like I said, number two, we talked about the taxes in one, and we, now we're talking about number two here still. We pointed out the fact of how Austin Matthews has a little bit of a preference probably to play in the States. So you do have to overpay. Matthews won't admit that. I'm assuming that. Listen, I'm from Canada. I'd rather play in Canada than the United States if I was in the National Hockey League because I am from Canada. It's just the way I'm built. It's assuming that Matthews would be the same. McDavid, like I said, preference would be in Canada, but he would be making more. Like I named out in point one, if his contract was now, he'd be making more than 15, maybe 15 million dollars we all know what dry would be making if he was a free agent right now he'd be if not more than mcdavid right now if he resigns just the way of the times number three okay why you have to like a, a point of the signing okay why why matthews signed for this much because a you had to b that's the way this or a or a the salary cap world b because you had to because of the attraction but c Overall, because he is the face of the franchise. He is somebody that, when you think of Toronto, there's Tavares, there's Marner, there's, of course, Nylander, Morgan Riley. I'm a big fan of Morgan Riley. Everyone knows that on the show. Matthews is the face. So number three is the face of the franchise. You cannot let him walk. Brad Treleman has let Johnny Goudreau walk, and he walked to Columbus. <laughs> I don't no comment. But Matt Kachuk, who was a bit more respectful, in my opinion, <laughs> allowed Florida to make the trade, and they got a good value back. Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and more assets in that trade. I think that was a great trade, but the way it looks right now, it looks like it might be a little lopsided unless Huberto and Mackenzie Weger can bounce back. But you cannot let him walk because he is the face of the franchise. And that does shed some credibility. If Matthews says, I'm not resigning, and he walks... What do you think Marner and Tavares are going to think about doing? What do you think Nylander is for sure going to do at the end of the year? You're looking at a full turn. You have drama. You can't let him walk for free because you've done that as Brad Tree Living. If he doesn't sign, you got to trade him. And where do you trade him? L.A. may want him. See, he won't go to San Jose. They're rebuilding. 
He won't go. To the, he might go to the Ducks because they're a little bit advanced. They got some young guys. There's some talent. There. Maybe the Ducks are attractive, but no one's going to take him unless they sign an extension. Arizona doesn't have what you think you need. Okay, ultimately, you had to resign him because he's the face of the franchise. That's number three. Number four reason why you had to resign him. You needed to resign him because he also adds revenue to your team. The Leafs don't need it, but he provides revenue. And that's all I'm going to leave point four at. Number five, and the final reason why you got to make sure you resign him, is overall credibility in the organization. As a GM, you want players or your star players to stay. If your star players leave, you wonder why. Other players in the league will wonder why. And when you're in a Canadian market, it's more of a challenge because of what you got to face in comparison to some U.S. markets. And I'm already getting the beep here because I'm hitting the 20 minutes, so I'm going to try to make this as quick as I can. You got a little bit behind, and you're going to have to overpay. You have to overpay to keep players in Canada, and it's unfortunate, especially from an American player. It's not the same as what Crosby used to do here. Just give me 8.7 and build around me. Not a lot of players do that. Matthew said he took a discount, and let me tell you, he did. If he hits the open market, I'm telling you right now, somebody's given him 14. Somebody's given him 15 million to come over. Mark my words, if he would have hit the open market, and I always get asked this question the last week, why do you think he took a short-term deal? I'll give you two reasons because of that. One, do I think he's going to leave in four years? I don't have an answer for you yet. I'm sure that's a plan of his. If he wins a cup, no. If he doesn't, yes, if you want my answer to that. He signed a short-term deal because of my number two reason, more money. His camp, his organization, his agent, they all did it right. They did it right. Short-term deal, max value, max now, if he continues to progress, and he's only going to continue to get better. He's gotten a 60-goal season already. He better score another 60 for that money he's getting paid. Okay? But if he continues to trend in that direction of what he is doing now and continue to go upwards and be the player he still is, if not evolves into a more prime and mature player, he's going to get more. Because like I said in one of my previous points, my one of my five points, a salary cap. I forget which number it was now. I'm not going to refer back to my notes. I'm just going to tell you. The cap is going up. If the cap goes up, players can get more. And that's when Arizona might be a better team in four years. Chicago might be a better team in four years. Heck, they're going to have to resign a lot of players by then, like Connor Bedard. So maybe that's not a good example. But I'm going to refer to my L.A. teams and California teams, like I was saying. L.A., Kopitar will be gone. Doughty will be gone. Money will be open. They'll be able to give Matthews this money. And Toronto will try to contend, but if they, if they, going back to point one, if they're not successful, he's gone. So, it's a, and if he gets hurt, so be it. It's Austin Matthews. Even if he had to got hurt for the entirety of his contract, he's going to get paid. And after, if he was on Robita Island for four years, maybe he retires to still have money, or you know, there's a lot more to the Leafs side of things. But even if he be, it wasn't as successful, he'll still get paid and go somewhere else. Somewhere else, he wasn't tied up to one team. But if he stays in Toronto and signs another five, four-year deal, he'll get more money. I like this approach if you're Austin Matthews. You shouldn't like this approach if you're a Leaf fan because then you can't build around it. But let me remind Leaf fans, Austin Matthews staying is a statement. He believes in what Tree Living's doing. He wants to win. And imagine if he does win. 
The key to the city is his. He'll be the best Leaf player of all time, surpassing Gilmore, surpassing Clark, surpassing Matt Sundin, even if he doesn't do that in the record books. If he wins, he will be the best Maple Leaf of all time. No one will look at Mar Marner and Tavares unless one of them get the overtime winner in Game 7 against the whomever team to win the Stanley Cup, maybe. But Matthews, if he can play the way he can and he's the face of the franchise, a lot of attention will be on him. And this is the time to win. This year probably is the best chance they're going to have to win right now. There are question marks still, but this is it. Who knows what the next few years are going to bring, and that's why Matthews did what he did. He'll still leave at a point in his career where he is going to be still of good age, okay, Because uh, and I'm just confirming right now, Austin Matthews is 25 years old. He was born September the 17th, okay? So he's going to be turning 26 in the next month. In the next four years, he'll be 30. He'll be 30 years old, so the prime of his career, and he'll be able to get a bigger, if not better, payday. Those are my reasons why Matthews did what he did. Like it or not, there's both sides that work for both teams, but ultimately this is a win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We retained the face of the franchise. We don't have to worry about drama all year. We don't have to worry about losing someone who is a face of the franchise because this is somebody who will bring in talent, will keep talent around. This is somebody that you want to show that will stay because it will set the tone in the locker room and it will remind the boys that Matthews is here to win and he believes in the city of Toronto. And I do believe his quote. When he believes in the city, that he loves the city. Sure, I'm sure he would love to play at home around his family, but he understands the market here in Toronto. He understands the pressure and he understands what happens if he wins but he has enough leverage here where if it's not successful he'll know when to step away and leave it to the next guy which will be if he leaves but if he wins maybe he stays longer but Matthew's staying for the four years which is technically this year and the four years after that until he's 30 31 years old he is showing faith in Toronto the city of Toronto the organization of Toronto like I said at the beginning there first point overall he is showing his belief and I mean belief in the way that they spell it in this organization Argue with me. Let me know what you think below. I did say I would talk about Nylander, so I will do that in a quick spurt here. Nylander, I don't think, will be traded. I said it earlier this summer when they, or I guess, yeah, earlier this summer. It would be right near the beginning of summer that they would not trade him. They're going to try to run it back. Tree Living talked about it. They will not make a trade for the sake of making a trade unless it makes sense. Do they need to, do they need to consider completing a contract before he starts? Absolutely they do. Drama will run around that, but it won't be the same in hype as Austin Matthews. What does Nylander get is the question that I get. Okay, so let me give you two points. Let me answer here before we go to break and let Tom come in because he's waiting patiently, um, of course, um, to to have his segment uploaded. Okay, and we're already hitting 26 minutes. Okay, and I'm already six minutes over time. William Nylander. A, you keep him as a rental, you have a good chance to win. But what will Nylander get on a contract? $10 million. I'm sorry. The guy's getting $9.5 to $10 million. Heck, he might sign while I'm talking before this is uploaded. If that happens, I apologize. But he's a guy. Look at Aho. Look what those guys got. Nylander's uh, a guy who's put up very, very good numbers, right? He has put up numbers that are of those uh, that would be receiving that money. William Nylander had 87 points this year. And he doesn't really get hurt. He's been, he, he's, he's been healthy. Okay, Sebastian Ajo had 67 points. Nylander's getting 9.5 or 10. Can the Leafs afford that? No. Can they afford to lose them, though? No. But if you can have somebody that can support him and have that toughness, and the way Nylander's been in the playoffs, you cannot let him walk. 
unless your value coming back is a Moritz Sider, which no, that's what we even sorry, that's wing fans are rolling their eyes right now. That, Nylander is a type of guy that can fetch a top two defenseman. Sider was a bad example. I know there was rumors about that from a very good known Detroit writer this year. But if you're fetching back a Brett Pesci and Martinacious. I think it's a little bit too much. You have to throw in a sweetener there if you're Toronto. Then you accept that. But unless you're getting a top two defenseman with a top six forward to almost try to replace him, you're not trading Elander. So number one, do you trade him? No, you run it back. Number two, what does he get on the open market to answer your questions? Nine and a half or ten. And then does that mean Toronto keeps him? No. You cannot afford that contract. Doesn't matter how high the cap's going. That's a lot of money to put into William Elan despite what he does. To have four guys making $10 million or more, that cap crunches your team. You cannot build the team around and fill the gaps successfully, in my honest opinion. So lastly, will Nylander stay at the end of this year? I think this will be the last year you see William Nylander, despite if he's traded by before I upload this at the end of the year, his rights to the draft, deadline, I, I don't know. I think this will be the last year you see William Nylander in Toronto. And hopefully it's with celebrating a Stanley Cup. All right, we talked baseball, we talked football, we talked hockey, in particular just the Matthews and the Nylander contract situation. One resigns, one we're still waiting for, but nonetheless, we need to take a quick breather here. And in about three to five seconds, we're going to have Tom's recording here with yours truly. Again, Tom is the author of A Vagabond Life Stories from Minnesota Hockey Coach. Uh, we connected online. He's going to be telling a story about his eye view of the game. He is a goaltender uh, that played uh, in the collegiate level. Now he's coached both men and women's hockey. And he's going to be able to talk about his tale. A little teaser about the book, but where the book is in particular. And maybe some fun conversation to end out the show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And Tom will be joining us here on the Game Sports Podcast. And welcome back to the Game Sports Show Podcast. David McKay continuing this edition here tonight with you. And I am joined by special guest, Tom Peart. And I got to make sure I add <laughs> emphasis to that because everyone knows I got a thing with saying last names incorrect. And today I did not want to do it. I want to make sure I get it correctly, especially when we have a guest whom is an author if I spell there or there incorrectly, I'm sure he would uh, would correct me. There you go. I'd have to tell you. Yeah, no, definitely. Nonetheless, Tom is an experienced all-around hockey individual, okay, on and off the ice. But in particular today, Tom will be talking about his new book, A Vagabond Life, Stories by a Minnesota Hockey Coach. And I'm sure we'll get into some other topics as the edition goes on. But, Tom, I want to say thank you for coming on the show here tonight. My pleasure. Yeah, so you know what, we, you and I have played some tag on social media, we've had to make some adjustments, obviously it's all my fault because I've had quite the busy last few weeks, of course, and I wanted to make sure that I got you on the show before the Labor Day weekend because we have been talking since August the 10th, I believe, around that time, so you know what, 18 yep. days of planet, not too bad, I, I have to give myself <laughs> credit. <laughs> now, Tom, just so okay. people can give you a little bit of background about yourself, I I can read the biography from the book and the background and all that, but you know what? Instead of me reading that and boring the listeners, they've already heard my voice for right. the first segment. I want to pass it over to you. Tell our listeners, our viewers, whomever, in whichever way they're tuning in, who you are, your background, and then you can segue into the book if you'd like. The floor is yours to start. Thank you. So I grew up in Alexandria, Minnesota, which is about two hours northwest of uh, the Twin Cities. So think about halfway in between Fargo, North Dakota, and Minneapolis. That's roughly where Alec is. is a big resort town, a lot of, lot of uh, summer 
visitors and they had a lot of lakes around there. You can't go hardly a, a turn without a lake coming up. And uh, we, I played during the time in the early 70s where we didn't have an indoor arena. And uh, so we had to skate out on the pond or out on the lakes or we went to other towns to go to um, an arena, indoor arena, just to practice. And uh, so it was, uh, it was a unique situation growing up, but it was fun. And once I put my skates on for the first time at about 12, I fell in love with it. Now, that's pretty late for most people, but it was, uh, there was not a lot of hockey players in Alexandria at the time. So you got, you got we were kind of a right. <laughs> What's that? Do you have the tales like... I always hear my dad was born in 67 uh, and he always used to tell the tale about here. We're based in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. I don't even know if I shared that with you. I think I did when we were first connecting. Uh, so we have experience with the Twin Cities, Sioux, Michigan and Sioux, Ontario. And obviously our listener base is a lot of Ontario, Michigan. Um, and the stories I hear a lot, both on the Michigan side, but mostly the Ontario side is when they used to have to put the skates on the back, right? Uh, and you have your yep. stick. Actually, I might be incorrect. You might have the skates on the stick. I don't know. Either way, whatever way you want to carry it. Either way, we usually slid them onto the stick. and Slid them onto the stick. So you – and you playing outside. Like, I know the NCAA in hockey has grown tremendously since, never mind, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Today is way different than it was in the early 1000s. But right. Even, yep. even starting off late, obviously, uh, you caught on to the game quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was – I was pretty fortunate. I, I was a goaltender. Now I'm recovering uh, slowly, <laughs> but uh, um, it was, I, I think goaltenders have a little different perspective on the game because you kind of sit back and you're watching it. And so I think a lot of coaches make good, or a lot of goaltenders make good coaches. Yes. So um, just because we get used to observing and seeing how plays develop because you're seeing it from behind and, um, and then you get to curse at your, uh, your defenseman when they screw up, but you know, that kind of thing. Move out of the but, way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I kind of took an untraditional path. So after high school, I uh, ended up going in the Marine Corps hmm. and spent uh, two and a half years in the Marine Corps and then got out and went to school. And I wanted to go back and get back into hockey. So where else but northern Minnesota, where hockey kind of is king hey. Yep. I went uh, to Masabi Community College in Virginia, Minnesota. Okay. And played one year there. We went to the national finals and lost in overtime in the championship game. And then, uh, then the next year I transferred to St. Cloud State. And I played there for three years, although it was rather auspicious, suspicious um, career. Good terms. I, I, Broke my tailbone one year, tore ligaments on my knee the next year, and broke my ankle the third year. So I, and the good Lord was telling me, it's time to do something else. So <laughs> that's how I got into coaching. coaching. So now, you know, you obviously, we've had individuals on the show, like James Duthie. We've had people who have wrote books. Theo Fleury, obviously a big notable, where a lot of our listeners mm -hmm. talk about his tale, right? That story is 
echoed it's amazing everywhere right and honestly yeah be honest with you tom i've i didn't read books a lot in high school uh i was more focused on hockey in my life uh i would use cole's notes it's called i don't know if you have that in the united states but cole's notes was something you'd be able to have a brief summary of the story uh okay any teachers that listening now they know where i got my answers on essays uh i would <laughs> I, I i'm not gonna lie i'll admit i used to look at that but the only one of the only books I've ever read was Playing With Fire by Theo Fleury, right? And it's something okay. that I related to. And the reason why I'm saying that book on here is because when a book is about something that you love, hockey, sport, or it's just a tale about someone's life with their tales involving the game, it's interesting. Now, I can't sit here and say that I've read your book yet. You and I have just connected recently. I've obviously had a recent wedding. I even had, had let alone had time to sleep, let alone read a book. So, you know, honestly, no it problem. is a book that I plan to read when I'm on my honeymoon, uh, truthfully. And this oh, is a type like, right on the right on the right in the right on when I'm on, I'm going to be reading. I want because your type of book <laughs> is a story about the game, right? And it's all about your experiences. Those are the type of stories that I want to hear. And those are the type of stories that are my listeners and the listeners of the game want to hear is the true tales right. about hockey. And I think that's why Theo's obviously was an extraordinary story because of what it was in the extent. But James Duffy doing a book about the 50, 50 beauties, right? It's about tales about right. a different player. Um, and your book is just recently, just recently came out. I've obviously read multiple biographies. It's available on Amazon. I don't want to take that away from you because I want you to promote the platforms it's on, of course. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would say, truthfully, the best write-up is from the Friesen Press, and I'm not taking away everything. They were very detailed in it. And when I read that before you and I connected, it, it made sense because they mentioned right at the beginning, I'm trying I'm trying to make sure I remember it in a heartfelt manner is what it said at the very beginning of the article. Right. Uh, and it started right from when you were a child and went right up to when you went into the Marines and then obviously gave you your background. So I promote everyone to look over at Tom's Facebook page, and I'll try to make sure I put a link in the bottom to the Friesen, uh, to the Friesen Press or to his Facebook page either way so you can get a direct look. Probably the Friesen Press. I don't want to start giving personal profiles away. Uh, but <laughs> leaking below. Uh, or That's okay. Below, I can. Below, they, they, it's, it's a great write-up, and it makes you invest and want to read the book is that write-up. And you have a story right. to tell. So I want to give you the floor about what the story is about where you came, like what it is about, without giving spoilers, of course, you want people to read, maybe give them a little, give them a little cliffhanger if you want to, uh, but about the book, <laughs> talk, I want to hear about the book, but I want to, I want you to leave me on a cliffhanger when I'm sitting in Italy, right. in Italy on my honeymoon, I want to say, crap, he mentioned this, I want to make sure that I, I get through the whole book when I'm on my honeymoon. <laughs> okay, well, so it started during the pandemic, but I, for years have said to friends of mine, we, we really need to tell stories about you know, and get it down on paper because as we get older, you forget and whatnot. And then during the pandemic, everything was so political and so crazy and people were just like arguing. And I just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. So I thought I'm going to start putting some, some stories on Facebook just to vent a little bit myself, but it was a positive way and not a negative way. Yeah. And, uh, so then, um, some friends said you should put this into a book. And then, so as I was thinking about it and talking to a friend of mine who ended up becoming my editor, I decided to add a little bit of the, the first part, you know, my parents, and just so that people had a little lead up as to how I got into hockey. And yeah. and uh, as I say in one story, my friend Billy Blanchard, who lived down the street, he was the one that introduced me to hockey and said, come on, you got to play, you'll love it. And, uh, I think he did so for two reasons. One, he knew I had ADHD and like (laughs) 
this would be a good thing for me because as a <laughs> goaltender, you can focus for a little bit, then they go down the other end, and you can be nutso, and then you different can focus. Breeds. Goalies are different breeds, and I mean that with all due respect. I played forward, <laughs> and anybody who wants rubber shot at them at, at, a, at a combined of if it's 30, 40, whatever kilometers, 100, whatever speed you're facing, you're, you're nuts. You're, you're nuts. I played in a little bit of in and out when I was younger, and I remember telling my dad, get me the out of here <laughs> get me the fuck out of the net you know and put me on forward so i can wire them at the goalie's head it's a lot more fun <laughs> yeah and i actually felt calmer when i was in the nets than times i've skated out hmm. yeah it's weird but i am weird i'm <laughs> i'm a goalie but anyway so um so and then the other reason billy wanted me to become a goaltender was because he didn't want to be a goalie anymore <laughs> And he was one of the two. So he got out and I got in and we kind of went from there. But uh, so then when I graduated from St. Cloud State, I decided I, I wanted to be coaching. And I got my teaching degree and, and I wanted to look for a teaching job. And the night before or the Friday before the season started for Minnesota high school hockey, Bruce Johnson called me and said uh, his school district had gotten funding for a goaltender coach so that was going to be my first role was a goaltender coach well as it turns out when he hired me which then on sunday night he called me well he so he told me he goes i've got a guy another coach i have to interview on sunday night yeah. and in the meantime i didn't even put two and two together and i was um roughing a game that night so it turns out that one of the coaches was the guy that he was interviewing, and I'm repping the game. So when he calls me and offers me the job, he said, uh, we'd like to hire you. You can uh, start tomorrow. Oh, there you go. You can start right away. <laughs> yeah. And um, by the way, you missed two calls in the uh, third period last night. <laughs> like, Poor, refs. Poor refs. Yeah. They get hackled all the time. <laughs> so I think it kind of helped that he could see me skate and, you know, not bad for a recovering goalie, but not the best. No, you know, <laughs> and um, I like that. That's good. yeah. So so then yeah. the first job, the first duty I had when I stepped on the ice, he skates up to me and he says, "Sam, we're cutting that goaltender. They've been here a week. Go do your job." <laughs> so my first duty as a as a coach ever was to cut a kid who I'd never seen play before. Just, uh, I had to skate up to him and somehow, but he told me later it was a test. So Bruce Johnson was the coach and he was, uh, my mentor in, in coaching taught me a lot about how to, how to run a practice, how to do all of that. So there's a few stories about Bruce and the Armstrong Falcons. So the interesting thing about Armstrong is we had, um, a multitude of D1 players, but I, uh, Todd Richards, who coached the Wild and Columbus and was with Nashville and then Tampa when they won the Stanley Cup yep. as an assistant, he was uh, our best defense, well, best player my, my first couple of years. Cool. And then cool. his brother, Travis, was really good too. And then we also had Dennis Baskey. So at one point we had three D1 pro hockey defensemen on the, on the blue line. We didn't go to state. Still... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, and you know what? I I did. A, I'm not going to tell 
listeners that I think I'm this genius, but I did quickly do a quick type up about Bruce Johnson. This is the thing about being producer access to things. You get to kind of see why the producers are what they are, and people that heard the beginning of the show, obviously I'm producing this episode, and I brought up Bruce Johnson, and he, correct me if I'm wrong, he was elected in the Minnesota Hockey Coaches Hall of Fame in 07. Yes. Um, and he served as an assistant coach at Notre Dame. I know that was pretty highlighted, of course, you know, but like to have somebody, yes. to be get, to get that level of being in the Hall of Fame of coaching. In Minnesota, the state of hockey, right? I've never been to a game in Minnesota. Um, I did. I, be, I was at a game at UMass. I know Massachusetts, and everyone knows that follows the show. I'm, I really dislike the Boston Bruins because I am a Leaf fan. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've never seen the, uh, the atmosphere in Minnesota. I've never been able. So it's an excuse now. I need to go see it because Minnesota is called the state of hockey for a reason. And I remember right. playing games, uh, exhibition games and, and tournaments. Honey Baked was one that really stands out in Michigan, of course. But Minnesota teams were oh, – Hard to frickin' play against, or should I say fucking play against? I don't want to use that term. Uh, they're always tough, yep. but the market in Minnesota, you guys have a lot of, and like you're in that realm. You've been in, inside the college level, and there, there's a lot of good coaches, a lot of good players, uh, but right. the fans in Minnesota are just as passionate as a lot of the Canadian fan bases. Okay, the, the, like they are just as if not more than some, like, uh, like it's, I have never had the luxury though of being inside a stadium. If it's a college hockey game in Minnesota or an NHL game, but I can just imagine the, 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 the electricity in Minnesota and for you to be a part of the college side of things, you've been able to witness the passion in Minnesota. It's, uh, it's incredible. And, and during the state hockey tourneys, we'll get 120, 130,000 people come to games for over, four days and that's high school hockey i mean the building's full the the xl energy center so yeah it's it's awesome I like um, I like the term that they use. Sorry to interrupt you. That I one thing on the freeze and press, and I wrote this down. Actually, I made sure I wrote this part down. And I tried to memorize the beginning of it, but because those who do teach, and those who teach do, I, I like highlight that. I love that segue in the in the freeze and press. I know the freeze and press. They can send me the check anytime for promotion on right. their site. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, but jokes aside, it it was absolutely that that was a great way to put it. It's funny because. You know, you, you, you have people that play and coach and to have the luxury of coaching after something I'm still a part of. And it's, it's so different now. And we'll get into that, uh, in a little bit, cause yeah. I want to, I want to promote your book first where we get to some of the closing stuff, but it's coaching a whole different view. It is so different and you respect like as a player, it's like, when am I on the ice? Or if you're a goalie, it's like, why <laughs> ain't I in this game? Right. But as a coach, right. you understand why certain moments in the game are what they are. But we're talking your book here, of course. And I tend to go down rabbit holes, but Back to the book stuff. Sorry, Tom. Keep keep going. I'm trying to make sure I promote people to go check and make sure they go to links where they can buy your book because they right. Because I have it at the right. So now. the the interesting thing about my career is I coached uh, boys and and men. The first well, I coached pro hockey in England, and then I came back and coached Augsburg College with the men cool. D three, and so I had every little aspect because then over summer. We always worked summer camps, so you always worked with mites through bantams. And so I saw pretty much every level of the game up to, well, you can't really call European pro hockey the same as the NHL by any means. But it was equal to a lot of D3, um, you know, a higher end, but really good. And it was an interesting year in England, but 
the uh, the last uh, 16, 17 years, I coached women and girls. So I got both sides of it, and it is different. It is not better, not worse, just different. <laughs> I feel like girls would be a little bit more uh, friendlier because, you know what, they, they just are. Men are we're just nasty uh we're we're competitive girls are too girls are very competitive girls are too but in my experiences i feel like teaching girls they respect coaches more and i mean that right with respect again to men because i uh, i'm not i'm not highlighting whatever it is and i'm not trying to get anything in in terms of politically correct or not correct here but respecting coaches i feel like the women's sport is growing and it is finally getting the recognition deserves like everyone forgets the o2 olympics salt lake between the states and canada uh, and yep. that was um, that was better than the men's game. I know people may disagree, but that was one of the most electrifying games that I've watched. That I, and I, when right. I think of hockey games, always that game with the penalties, Haley Wickenheiser chirping the states. Like it, 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 the competition between Canada and the states is just so, and it is today still. Twenty one years later, they're still at it. Like just yeah like two dogs or they're at it and it's (laughs) but the girl hockey the girls hockey is getting the respect it deserves i feel and i don't mean to get into that but you've been able to coach both sides of it and i'm sure that there's a lot of positive from both ends but i feel like from myself being able to do power skating teaching with with the i feel like the respect for coaching was there a lot more from the female side right yeah so the the switch to girls and women came at a good time for me because i was kind of in a period uh, of, I'd been coaching about 17 years, didn't know if I wanted to keep doing it. I had just come back from Europe, spent a year with Augsburg, spent a year traveling between two teams coaching goaltenders, and I'm like, do I want to keep doing this? And then a girls' program started in the town I was living at, Buffalo, and uh, that kind of rejuvenated me. Yeah. And, it, and it was because girls are more respectful especially if you are empathetic to them if you listen to them and and uh maybe this will be a good lesson for you when you're now newly married <laughs> listen to your wife happy wife happy life exactly. that kind of thing heard that a few times this past weekend i heard that a few times always say oh yes dear no dear why dear but why in the right way <laughs> exactly but but the that's the thing with with uh coaching girls and women's hockey is they they want to know why you're doing something. So it's not just, okay, just go do this. And then, you know, a lot of boys, we just, coach said to do this, we'll do it. It doesn't make sense to us, but we'll do it because we want to impress him. Whereas girls are like, well, wait a minute, why are we doing this? And then if you do happen to yell at one of their friends and they gang up on, not up on you, but they rally around her. So it, it took me a while, maybe two, three years to learn how to really reach women uh, on their level without with still being able to discipline and be a coach. And coach. Be a yeah. coach, yeah. And that's where I feel like the game is, is it's got to be respected both sides, and, and that happens. And in your book, yeah. you talk about the experiences from then to now, right, from what I understand, from then until, I want to say today, yeah. like August 2023, obviously, but like you obviously talk about right. up until current. So I'm sure from when you started to now, there's a, probably a portion in there, and I'm assuming – because, like I said, I haven't read the book yet, anybody, but I said yet for a key reason. I don't read books unless I want to, and I can't wait to read this one because I love the storytelling book. Duthie's book, book was great. 
Theo Fleury's book. I need those story actual experiences. Those are true. I don't want to hear fairy tale bullshit. I'm sorry. I don't. I haven't read right. a notebook. One of my favorite books outside of sports is *The Kill a Mockingbird*. For some reason, Atticus Finch in that book is fantastic. That I believe <laughs> that was written in the '50s. Don't quote me. I know people are going to comment and turn me below. I believe it was the '50s. I could be wrong. Uh, I imagine my wife in the background is probably yelling, nah, yelling. But, but nonetheless, the point is the experiences are great. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've realized throughout your years of coaching men's women's the game has like changed <laughs> and i mean changed in a, i say that low and very uh seductively because it's changed in a way that it's so different like it is yes 80s 90s i feel there's similarities to a degree but 90s to thousand changed thousands to tens whoa like big change Tends to now, whoa! <laughs> like it's the, the game has grown though. It's if it's 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 yes, it's evolved. It's went like this throughout every time. It hasn't had a this at all. It's went like right. this, right? Well, we've we've talked about that. I've talked with a, a few friends of mine that have coached way back when we, girls hockey first started. For instance, just using a girls' side, and a lot of the girls on my first team at St. Ben's they would not make the team today. Wow. There's a couple that would because you always have a couple that stand out. Yeah. But uh, there's some that just wouldn't make it. And I remember uh, meeting Herb Brooks in person. I had contact with them through email, or not email, but through a letter. Um, but that's a different story. But anyway, I run into him at the coaches convention in Florida. And he sat down and, I mean, I'm Joe Blow, who knows, but he sits down for half an hour and talks to me about things that have changed in hockey and, and what he's seen. And, of course, he was playing back in the 60s yeah. and then 50s and 60s and then coaching and, you know, very high level, well, the highest level. Um, and he said that the, one of the biggest things that he's seen a change of is that our development of players – both in Canada and the United States, has increased immensely in terms of like being able to skate and do all the basic shooting, passing, because um, there's more specific training and kids are working harder because, well, salaries have gone up, you know, if you make it to the pros, but I will warn everyone that it's a very steep mountain to get there. And some guys get there, like uh, Travis Richards, great, great player, but only had a cup of coffee. His brother played a little bit, but they both played in the minors. Now, is that a, it's a good life? So that's great. But then Todd goes on to coach. So, you know, we all find our niche, which is a good thing. And yeah. um, I'm quite Griffin, sure where he's going Travis, with all that. But Travis Richards, gra- Grand Rapids. Yes, yes, again, I did do a quick search on that. We're quick. Yep. It says, tra- obviously, played Grand Rapids. A lot, so my Michigan listeners should be able to relate to that name uh, very much a lot. So he played from 96, it seems like, to 06 with Grand Rapids. He did have some time with the Kalamazoo Wings, and he had a couple games yeah. in there with the Dallas Stars. So he did taste, I believe, it seems like he did taste some NHL action, but it and this he was born in 1970 in Minnesota, but you have... 
you got a taste in there, right? And I remember that right. I've had yeah. – a lot of people make differences in careers. Like even now, it's it's the NHL is the goal for every kid, right? You you And as a mother or father, and I feel like the mothers are even more passionate than the fathers now. Um, but they, they if they don't make the NHL, there's so many more options though. And you as a coach, there's college. D1, D3, wherever you want to go. There's Europe, right? There's so many options in Europe. And I think the big thing that people forget, and I forgot this when I played, not that I had the opportunity as much as the other next guy, but education is important, right? Education is yeah. more valued now. Um, so that's key, though. So if you have an option, and, I, and you may disagree with me, you may not. Like obviously, as no, I agree with you. But if you have a, a full-ride scholarship option, or so not full-ride, let me – Nope, erase that. Let's say you have an option to go play Division One or Three, and you got to pay twenty-five grand. They don't give you a full ride, but you got to pay. But you can stay home, get an education for free. Don't have to worry about getting hurt. You're gonna probably stay home without paying. I advise that if if someone says stop going to school, you don't go play for that team. You need to get that right. education and focus on it. But it's a hard mountain. You said it. It's steep, and every mile you go down the road, there is somebody else there ready to take your spot. If it's local, yep. if it's from another city, from another country, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and- that's the other thing that's changed now is there's there's so many players from other countries. You know, back in the day, you had the the Swedes, remember? And Russia wasn't allowing players to come over. Czech Republic was still part of the, um, you know, Czechoslovakia at the time was kind of well, it got got better, but got better. you know they split. But hey, yeah, I mean just. Now you get players from Denmark, Norway, Sweden, yeah. Austria, oh. Czech Republic, everywhere. Germany. So, like, yeah. And don't kid yourself, the Japanese and the Chinese game is evolving. People don't know this yet because they haven't been successful, but mark my words, right. the next 20 years, I'm going to give them 20. I'm going to give them 20. I think 10 is more, more reasonable for them. I'm sure they would like to hear 10. But I think 20. I think 20 years, you watch what happens. You, right. you, you watch what happens. I want to save that clip because I'm going to upload it 20 years from now when I got the gray hair <laughs> starting to grow. And I got to post it when I'm 52 years old at that point, 20 years from now. I'm going to say, look what happened because they're they're – they, they're growing. The hockey game is yep. growing for a reason. It's because of someone like Tom. It's because of these other people who are telling their stories about the game and growing the game. And hockey is not just a game. It's a community. Everybody plays that has played. doesn't matter where you played, what level you played, what you coached. Everyone in hockey connects. And that's what I feel yep. other sports don't have as much as hockey because of how much hockey connects between the countries, competitive or not. And that's the joy about hockey. And yep. in your tales of ho- it being, it's related to hockey, of course, your book and your experiences. It, it, those are the best experiences to tell. And like we said at the beginning, carrying the skates on the back. You don't see that now. Now it's my dad. I need to ride to the rink. And we and they jump right. at it. Where before it's like, huh, fuck you. Go down the street and find a spot for yourself in the rink. I don't care if you have your rubber boots on or your, or your running, yep. Nike running shoes. You're, you're walking down the street and going yourself. And that's why the game was tougher then compared to now because of the generations that's grown. And you've been able in your book to tell about obviously your experiences throughout your career and what you had to experience. Right. Now, when well, there was there was uh, one story where I just in land in uh, going along with what you're saying, uh, my dad. I came home and told him I was a junior in high school, and I had another goaltender that 
I can admit now, couldn't then, but I can now, that he was better and he was playing better. And I told my daddy, you know, my Gus, my Gus, my coach, you're screwing me. And he said, uh, he goes, why? And I said, well, AJ's playing all the time and I never get a chance. And he goes, he's eating, you know, dinner. And he goes, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, you're not going to talk to him? No. You wanted to play hockey? It's your deal. You go talk to him. And that's that's how it should be. But unfortunately, too many parents today are running to the coach and complaining. And, and it's, it, it is a tougher thing to do today. It is. Coaching. It is tougher, right? And especially if you're in the minor leagues. or I don't mean minor leagues, like junior. Yep. Or I mean, like, youth. It, it, it's about fun, right? And yep. I'm not going to get in because this isn't about experience. I'm trying to relate to those experiences. And I... I was fortunate enough after junior hockey to coach junior for a couple of years. Uh, and I took a time away to do school and stepped away from doing it. And I got asked to coach younger when I was, when I was stepped away. Mm-hmm. Was absolutely not. And to be honest with you, Tom, I've coached nothing above nothing less than high school. I've done power skating. That's different. Power skating, coaching and coaching yeah. are two different things. Uh, and I will not do, and I'm sorry. I don't think I can. I don't have a kid yet either. So maybe that's why, uh, but I don't think I would do, high school and under it needs to be older I, I i don't know what it is it's because high school when you get to that point it's still like it's serious like hey we'll play your kid equally but when we need to win right your kid's sitting on the bench if he's not good enough to be your goalies your best goalies plan right if i'm you got to rotate and win i'm too competitive uh tom i'm sure you're the same way i, I want to win <laughs> i do it because i want to win I, and that's just the way it is and you know what? Before I get into hockey now in comparison today and your thoughts about it, I want to go back to the book for a second. Where can people okay. where can people buy your book? Where can they find it? Okay, it yeah. they can find it three primary places: Friesen Press, but, uh, and I will uh, like they've done a great job for me, but they charge almost double to to ship it, which is crazy. <laughs> Amazon is a better option. So it's on Amazon's website and it's on Barnes and Noble's website. Cool. And then I'm going to be doing some book signings, but I'm waiting for a shipment to come in, and I don't know where I'm going to be or when. But yeah. Well, what you'll have to do is if you come to Sioux, Michigan, if that's ever a target on your tour, or Sioux, Ontario. Obviously, you being in Minnesota, I'm sure maybe Sioux, Michigan might be a little bit more attractive to you. Um, but you have to let the game sports show know because we're gonna we're all gonna go there. We're all gonna go there. And actually, yeah, I was uh, cons- uh, looking at. So I coached in Ohio for one year, mm-hmm. and then I coached at Notre Dame's hockey camp for like ten years, summer hockey. So I was thinking of making a couple of tours and stopping in in South Bend, and then uh, so yeah, there's a possibility. Oh, you Coach know what? You, you're gonna have to Coach look. Beard. Coach Beard, can you sign? Can you sign this for me, please? That's such a fucking good book. Oh, that's what I like hearing. That's what we need. That plug. <laughs> that plug. Now, anyone who's listening from an audio end, you didn't get the luxury on video. Make sure you come back, listen to the video side of that. Obviously, okay. that's a plug right there. That is a good plug. Yeah, I, I didn't. Plug. That wasn't planned. That was not planned. No. We didn't talk about that. That's good. Buy that the, the photo book. I like the simple. The, let's keep it simple. Buy the fucking book. That's <laughs> simple. Uh, all right. But I now what I want to ask you before we let you go, Tom, I want to spend the okay. last couple minutes on you as a hockey individual. I've got two, two questions to ask you. I'm going to ask you one first, then we'll go to two, and then we'll close out. 
I want to know your thoughts on today's game, banning fighting. I know, I on know which? In banning fighting. They have banned fighting in the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I'm right. going to any other leagues. Uh, I'm old school. I'm, are... you're old. I'm sure you – I don't mean old school that we're old. I mean we're old school because we like fighting. I like fighting. I really do. I, I, I really like fighting hockey. What's your thoughts about banning ho- banning fighting in the game of hockey? That's a very popular question on our show, believe it or not. People want to know about it. Right. I think the way that they handle it now in the NHL is actually good. Yeah. Because you don't have the bench clearing brawls like we did in the 70s with the Broad Street Bullies. Love that. But, <laughs> yes. But Slapshot is still one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we are old school. But anyway, um, I think that they handled it well. Like in college, I saw two or three times where guys got kicked out of the game just because they went to reach for the guy's shoulder and they get his mask, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, I, and I don't think they should be doing that. But at the same time, you don't want them grabbing the mask. So maybe it's the intent and with review, video review, they can do a better job of that. But I, I think that there's a place for the occasional fight in hockey. Um, it keeps the game honest, more players honest. Um, college, there's a little, I think a little too high hitting, you know, going on because, Hey, you got a mask on. And so they come up with the stick. Well, that is one thing getting back to NHL. I think they need to crack down on the cross checks in the back. Yeah. Frickin' Suter cross check Caprice up twice twice in the playoffs. Uh, bastard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know anything that's gonna maybe potentially hurt a player. And yes, a guy can get hurt in a fight, but for the most part, you're not connecting. Or if you do, the guy's got a helmet on. You're you're hurting your hand more than you are. You know. Yeah, and people may disagree. And I I know you as a goalie may not have a lot, but I I did fight. And there's one time where I got really hit in the nose hard, and I didn't break it, luckily. But I, 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 there was a respect. Sometimes hockey players hate each other, but there's a lot of times we're not there to kill each other. People don't believe like no. we're we actually don't want to kill one another. Okay, we don't want a murder charge. Uh, right. It, we're there to just show assert dominance. We're there to win the fight, set the tone for our team. Accidents happen. They do. They can happen in hockey. They can happen yep. in, in golf. They can happen in tennis. It, it doesn't matter. The game of fight. I've talked about this on shows a lot, and and to take it away, to take it from away from the sport, I, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I'm not a fan, but that's a whole other conversation we can have. But I'd like to know yeah. your thought. That was good to know your <laughs> thought about it. The second thing, yep. I like asking individuals this question because we haven't started the new season yet. Uh, I don't know who you cheer for. I feel like you might like Minnesota Wild. You're in Minnesota. I don't know if you have to say Minnesota, but are you a Minnesota Wild fan? I am an absolute Minnesota Wild and Minnesota Golden Gophers. Oh, Gophers fan. Okay. So let, I want to talk about the Which Wild. Which is ironic because <laughs> I went to St. Cloud State, but we were D3 at the time. So. And first, when you mentioned Herb Brooks, Night, the Miracle, the movie, one of the best hockey movies of all time, if not the best yep. uh, of all time, right? But – your favorite this year on winning the Stanley Cup, not being biased. The way the offseason has <laughs> went in the NHL, okay? I don't want to say what my prediction is. People think it's not biased, and I'm not saying the team people think I'm going to say, because that's why I haven't said it yet, because it's hard to say a team that might not be yours. Uh, but 
your favorite this year going into this season? Like, you're a coach. Give me the coach's perspective. Who's looking good going into this year? Mm-hmm. Who do you got as your favorite this year? Well, I think you got to look at, like, Boston, and I know you hate the Boston, but <laughs> but they have a good club, and I think from what I've read, they get most of them back. Yeah. Um, if not, you know, Bergeron retired, and that'll hurt them, but. Um, but I like the Wilds' chances. The problem is we've got the, the Suter and the Parisi contracts still on the books. Yeah. So they're dumping about 14 mil this year on that, and yeah. that hurts you getting that key addition or, you know, a couple. And so, yeah. um, But I, it, they have a shot. Detroit looks good. That nice Better than last year, let's put it that way. <laughs> They might not win the Stanley Cup, but you know. Michigan <laughs> listeners will love that. Our Michigan listeners will love that. Do you do yeah. the, do the Leafs have a chance? Is this the year, Tom? Well, they do. They got Matthew Nyes, you know, and <laughs> yeah. former. So, yes. um, no, I, you know, they they signed Austin Matthews again, and I don't know. Did they trade Nylander? I don't not know if yet. they did. Or... Not. I say not okay. yet because I I don't. It must. I actually don't think they're going to. I said that. Talk about that. I don't think so either. If it hasn't happened by now. Yeah. Yeah. No. They they have a chance, but they always seem to shoot themselves in the foot tomorrow. I don't know why. Yep. Don't get your hopes up. It's sad because I love the Leafs, but yeah. It's hard not to, and I feel like everyone chirps a Leaf fan, but I'm. I like to call myself one of those realistic Leaf fans, where I'm not one of those armchair ones. But 55 years. Come on. It's a long time. Like, come on, it's time. (laughs) It's, it's time. Like, people need to start yep. jumping on the boat and just give us one. Just one. That's all I want is one. Be the Chicago Cubs. Come. <laughs> right? I don't want 100 years. Hey, if i got to wait another 50 years, I'm going to be 80, 80, 82 years old. I don't know if I'm going to make it that far, Tom. Okay? Who knows? Yeah, I cannot. I, I need to I need to see that win. But you know what? That aside, <laughs> your book, A Vagabond Life, uh, in the midst, stories of Minnesota hockey coach, you obviously got a lot of tales to tell. I'm happy you took the time to come on. We went an extra 20-some minutes on the show. Like I said, that, that happens on the Game Sports Show podcast. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and join me here today. Um, and to talk a little bit about your book. Remember, you can buy the book on the Freezing Press. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amazon. Obviously, check the shipping cost. Make sure it's worth your value wherever you go. And keep an eye out, okay, for book re, uh, book signings, which you can find on Tom's Facebook page, I'm sure. But do you have a yes. website itself that will be promoting these tours? So, Friesen Press is uh, setting one up. I haven't heard from the specialist yet, but it's going to happen here within the next week or two. So. So keep an eye out on that. And for those in yep. Sault Marie, Ontario, or Michigan, if it's close, come on by and let's hear It's always good to hear the stories about somebody who has been involved in the game, played or been involved. Either way, it's always a good story to tell. But, Tom, I appreciate you coming on the show, and our listeners and viewers appreciate it too. It's always good to hear the background about somebody who's an author, but never mind as an author, but in, who's able to tell the story through their own skill and the eyeballs through the game. Thank you course so tom thank you again for coming on and listeners viewers wherever you're listening to the game sports show or watching if you have the luxury to look at our pretty faces that's good make sure you hit like follow and subscribe on all the platforms of the game sports podcast this was powered by 91n formerly t gem and also it's sponsored by flawless roofing surseal incorporated i got the calendar behind me right here <laughs> i don't know which way i'm pointing i think that's the right i'm gonna I, my directions are off today uh but nonetheless flawless roofing 30 years in the business 
Follow Super Insurance Shield Incorporated. Protecting your investments start from the top. Makes sense. Don't want any leaks in there. Just like in goal. You don't want any leaks on the five hole. Uh, this has been the Game Sports Podcast. It's been Dave McKay. I've been joined by Tom. Uh, Tom Peart. <laughs> Very good. There you go. See, I didn't butcher the last name today. I love it. I feel good today. It's a win. Uh, we will be concluding the show after this. Like I said, uh, after this conclusion, I already talked about that in the first introduction. But again, like, follow, and subscribe. There's over 50% of my viewers and listeners who listen, but don't hit like or follow or subscribe. It's very simple. It helps. Just give that a little lick. Subscribe. If you don't want to hear all the uploads, who cares? Hit subscribe. It will always pop up on your platform just in case you want to hear and hear from people like Tom. Now, I'm going to get to our conclusion. Until next time, I'm here to remind you, keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. Booyah.